Yeah, finish well. Don't do what I did. <laughs> I did. The, the reality was I didn't have any good excuse. I was busy and I got a bad attitude because I didn't like the assignment, which is not a good attitude. And so I, when we all walked, my grades hadn't come in yet, so I walked the walk of shame knowing I actually did not graduate, but I had to go online and finish the class again and pay a bunch of money again. So don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I have a few slides real quick I want to hit, and then I just want to share with you my heart um, as, a, as a former student here. Did those slides come through or not? Great. So yeah, you see my family. This is us. That's the city we live in, uh, Tangier, Morocco, about a million people. Uh, next slide. So this is uh, Arab world. So uh, as Nan said, she said it well, our passion is to raise up more workers to go to the unreached. So we get to both do it, we get to live it, we get to share Jesus with those that have never had a chance to meet him, and we get to be part of seeing other nations and people from all around the world trained and mobilized to go and do missions among unreached people groups. So we work, people that, the black dot in the far left is where we are, and we train people through Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and Libya. So it's exciting what God is doing in those parts of the world. Uh, next slide. Uh, we're going to give you a free gift. And in that free gift, there's this card. If you feel called to go and, to exp and, and, and learn about what God might want to do with you long-term in missions, this is a great starting point. You don't have to be a missions major. You don't have to be in any of that to go and be part of what God's doing around the world. So that'll be in the book you're going to get. And then one more. Uh, this is a free devotional that we are giving out to all the students. So from Live Dead, I challenge you to, to take this and to go through it. And if you want to grow in your heart and your understanding of God's heart for the world, this is a great first step. Just every day, getting into the Word of God and, and, and learning His heart and passion for the unreached. So, I think that's all that I had. Great. All right. Let me pray. Uh, uh, Jesus, I just ask, Lord, that you would have your way today. God, I pray that your heart would, would be what is heard, that you would be the thing that is remembered, that your passion for people, God, would consume us. God, that your longing for the lost. God, your desire that, that, that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. God, I pray that that passion of you is, is what would grab our hearts and motivate us in our classrooms and in our lives here. And so God, I just pray in this student body, God, have your way, have your way. And God, I pray that we would not let anything hold us back from just running fully after you. So thank you, Lord, for this time, and we just ask your anointing in every part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, I, I want to just share you some of my journey, some of, the, some of the key lessons that I feel that built foundations in my life for God to use me where I'm at. Um, it begins really back when I was a kid. Uh, I find we all find reasons to make excuses for why God can't use me. Uh, mine began when I was young. I just went back to the church my dad pastored when, when I was a kid. At seven years old, we left. And every time I go back there, I get a similar comment. And someone will say something along the lines of, man, Jonathan, seeing how you turned out gives me hope for my kids. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm never sure what to think of that. But literally everybody in the church will have some kind of comment like that. Someone will talk about I jumped up on their lap and ripped their pearl necklace off and lost all their pearls and, and just all these. But I was, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid and a short-term memory disorder. I failed every spelling tech I ever, test I ever took. I, uh, I failed kindergarten. Anybody else ever do that? So two years of kindergarten. Um, school was not the thing that I loved. It was not the thing I thrived in. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I struggled socially. I, I, I was not the person that just got along with everybody when I was younger. I, I was a tattletale. <laughs> struggled. And, uh, 
and, and I say that to say that, that there's a lot of reasons. Why, why would God use me to learn? A, how could I learn a language? How could I go and, and, and take on a language like Arabic, where Arabs say it has to be the heavenly language because it takes a lifetime to learn, more than a lifetime to learn. <laughs> it, it's tough. It's challenging. Um, and so what, part of the journey that I had was a journey here at North Century. It was a journey of discovering that God could use me. It was a journey of discovering that, that it wasn't about me. A journey of discovering that, it, that, it, that God's calling isn't determined by what I naturally see as my gifts or my talents. But that over and over again in Scripture, we see a God that uses the weak, the foolish, and the broken that are willing to depend on God for their strength. I remember, I remember sitting in the back of the chapel here, and it was before it was this nice chapel. It was still the old chapel. And I was sitting back there, and I remember this season of my life of coming to chapel and just experiencing God deeper than I ever had. I remember sitting there, getting done with the chapel, and I just didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to, just sitting through day after day for, it felt like a couple of weeks of just, I just wanted to be alone and just be with Jesus and this overwhelmingness of who he was. And, and in, the, in those, that season, I remember getting to the point where I felt like I was a balloon, and I was getting blown up and blown up and blown up, and I was about to pop. And, and, and I would almost get to the point where I didn't want to go to chapel because I knew that I was going to experience God, and he was so mighty and, and incredible and good, and I, I didn't feel like I had the capacity to go back and just be there again. And in that, in that process, God, God he, con- he confronted something in me, and he said, Jonathan, your whole life right now, your whole spirituality is centered on you. You have no outlets in your life. All of your friends are Christians. All of the things you're doing in your life is about you, your studies. You live in this city where over 100 languages are spoken right around your neighborhood, and you aren't involved with anybody out there. <laughs> and I just got this, this confrontation in me of, of, of you know, experiencing the depth and the wonder of God, the goodness of God, the, the grace of God, the truth of God, but at the same time ending right here. And, uh, and, and so there's this whole process of what God did. I met this, this I, I call her crazy. <laughs> if she was here, I would call her crazy. Her name was Katie, and she had dreadlocks. I don't know if you remember Katie, Katie McClure. She had dreadlocks, and she was in love with the city. I'm from Montana. Uh, the city I grew up in was 97% white. Not very diverse. I didn't grow up in a world that was diverse. I come to, I come to Morocco, not Morocco, I'm not in Morocco. I come to North Central, and, and this is not somewhere I feel comfortable <laughs> I'll never forget, Katie, she took me out, and she, she had this crazy idea just to go and love the city. And we're going to go out late at night on Saturday nights to where the prostitutes and the homeless and the drug addicts were and just give out chips and hot chocolate. And she invited me to go with her. <laughs> um, and it changed my life. It changed my life. I, I remember, remember crossing, I walked down around Lake Street. I can't tell you the exact spot. We crossed this bridge, and we walked over that the first night. And as we walk over, she, she points underneath the bridge and says, Jonathan... Underneath this bridge is the highest homicide rate in the city. And I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> we walk a little further, and this guy, he, he's, he's uh, on, a, on a bicycle, and he's, he rides up to us, and he falls off of his bike, knocks his head out, knocks his head on a fire hydrant. He was trying to sell us his bike so he could buy drugs, and then knocks himself unconscious in front of us. And I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world am I doing? I don't, I've never had any drug addictions. I don't understand the city. I'm so not, I'm not qualified to be here. We, we kind of, you know, did the dumb little, we prayed for him a little bit, and police came by, picked him up, took him off. We walked a little further, I met my first drug dealer, and he thought I was way weirder than he was. Um, I, I tried to offer him some, some chips and hot chocolate, and, and he looked at me like I was the weirdest thing in the world, and, 
and didn't want anything to do with me and told everybody else I was the weirdest thing in the world. And so we were stuck there for about two hours and we just chased people. Like we'd walk down one side and they'd all cross the other side of the street and we'd turn around and we'd walk on the other side and they'd all cross the other side of the street. It wasn't very, very <laughs> fulfilling. And, uh, but, I, but I just felt God wanted me to be out in the city, out around lost people, out trying, out, out learning God's heart for this part of the world. And so as I, was, as I was doing that, we just kept going every Saturday night. It did not matter how cold it was. People were out there, desperate. And we began to build relationships and share Jesus. And, and um, the, you know, we, so God did some really cool stuff. And I remember a year later, we came back after, after summer break just to kind of summarize some of the stories. But, but I came back in that same road. Katie had graduated, and, and I crossed over with someone else, that same bridge, just remembered the year before, and walked a little further down, still dark. And, uh, and this different guy comes riding up on a bike, I, and he starts yelling my name. He says, Jonathan, Jonathan, do you remember me? Do you remember me? I'm like, no, no idea who you are. And he jumps off his bike, and he comes up, and he says, you prayed for me a year ago, and God freed me from every addiction I've ever had. And then he, and then he goes, and he grabs, and he says, to every one of the prostitutes and every one of the guys that walked by, he said, you need some of this. Get over here. And we just had this prayer meeting in the street where we started holding hands and praying in the middle of, in the middle of that neighborhood. And pretty soon, it wasn't, didn't last very long, the police came by, flashed our lights at us and said, you guys got to break it up, get out of here. And so we did. But I began to learn the lesson of, of who is qualified to be used by God for great things. You know, I love this verse, and I want to speak out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 26. For consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Sometimes I think in missions we get too concerned about what we have to bring. Sometimes I think we get too concerned about what skills I can offer to God. When the thing he wants the most is me being willing to give my weakness and my foolishness and my, my insignificance and saying, God, here I am. I don't have a lot, but you can have it all. You can have it all. You can take it. If you want to use my strengths, you can have them. But if you want to use my weakness and my foolishness, God, you are so worth it. You are so worth it. You are so worth it. In missions, it's been the same lessons. When we look at the unengaged and the unreached, there's another memory I want to share with you. The first time I, I really met a Muslim person in my life, it was actually before I came to North Central, I went on a short-term trip to North India. And I was working with a little drug rehab program at a friend, and he, was, he had, a, had a girl, uh, a fiancé, and he'd go down to this phone booth, and he'd call his fiancé every night. And so uh, he, oh, I'm running, I'm, oh. okay, so he, he'd, he'd go down, and he'd call his fiancé every night, and every night I'd go down, and, and I would uh, um, just meet, um, I met this little Hindu boy at the, at the little tea shop. And so we'd start talking, we'd share, and, and, and the, the, the last night before I, before I, uh, uh, I left, I brought him a little Bible, and I was giving this young Hindu boy a Bible, and as I handed him the Bible, he said, uh, he took it, and this Muslim guy came up that spoke perfect English, 
And he interrupted our conversation, and he just started arguing with me. I knew nothing about Islam. I knew nothing about the Muslim world. And he started debating with me. And I, and I just, I was overwhelmed. I was fearful. He looked to me like what I saw on the news that looked like a terrorist. That's the perception in my mind, my stereotyping. And I was scared. And God said to me, he said, Jonathan, don't argue with him, but just share with him why you love me. So I'm sitting in that little village, in, in, in that, little, that little seat, and I just start sharing with him why I love him. Why I love Jesus. And we get to the end of it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, now ask him if you can pray with him. And I thought, no, God, that's, that's too much. You really don't want me to do that. I, I, I've talked to him. That, that's good enough, isn't it? So I asked him. I didn't expect him to say yes. I said, hey, can I, can I just pray with you? He said, sure. So we grabbed hands, and I had this Hindu boy's hand in my right hand, this Muslim guy's hand in my left hand, and I prayed the most simple prayer. And it was, Jesus, whoever you are is the real God. Would you show yourself to this man? Would you show him who you are? Would you show him what, what, what he's made for? God, would you just reveal yourself to this guy? And I prayed that in about as many ways as I could because I was kind of scared. And I kept my eyes closed tight. And, uh, and, I, and I get done and I look up at this guy and there's tears running down his face. Just, just streaming down his face. And he tried to talk and he couldn't and he, his chin was quivering. And then he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the next words that he said haunt me. He said, tell me, where can I meet another Christian? This guy had to be in his 30s. He had never in his life met a Christian. This, this God that I love, the God that I've experienced, the God that I've, that I've discovered, the simple verse, God so loved the world. And I've gotten to experience that love. And here's a man who has never in his life even had a chance to meet a Christian. And it breaks me. When I think about the unreached or unengaged or the challenge of the church, this is not just a challenge for the missions majors. When we talk about 40% of our world having no access to the gospel, no access to the gospel, 40% of the world unreached or unengaged with the gospel, what does that mean? Never having a chance to meet a Christian. No Bibles they could buy if they wanted to. In my city, not a single church that will meet in the local language for 40 million people in the country. Not one church that meets in the local language publicly. No access to the gospel. No access to the goodness of God that I've gotten to experience in this chapel over and over and over again. The God that says, I choose you not because of what you are capable of, but because I love you. This God that is passionately in love with all people. When I think about missions, when I think about God's call, I get excited about what God is doing. I get excited about getting to work with Venezuelans and Mexicans on fire for Jesus. I get excited when I get to work with, we had a Chinese give, lady that came out for, for an internship and she shared about how, how because of, of missionaries that suffered for her people in her city, that she could feel called to go and suffer and, and experience the racism of the Muslim world and share Jesus. I love getting to be part of that story, getting to, getting to come alongside and under and empower people from around the world. But let us as the American church not just say, you all can go. It's too dangerous. It's too inconvenient. I don't have the gifts. But let's run after Jesus with them. What's it going to take for us to really see the unreached reached? It's going to take the whole church Understanding the call and passion of God for the unreached people. It means that no matter where you are called to do your quote-unquote ministry, that we take on the call and say, it is my responsibility to see the unreached reached with the gospel. 
I will stand and intercede. I will, I will sacrificially give because I cannot sit by when, when a huge percentage of our world has never had a chance to see or meet Jesus. The mission of God of seeing every people reach with the gospel is not just a small calling for a small group of people. It is the calling of the whole church. It's the calling of the whole church. And we can't do it without each other. There's no levels of calling. You know, God calls someone to be a youth pastor. That is the full 100% calling of God. And that is awesome. Do it. Live it. Be right where God has called you to be. God calls some to go and work in the business field and, and to leverage that for the gospel and to be a person of light in a dark place in America. Absolutely, that's a calling of God that is 100% right on. But at the same time, let us all carry that passion of saying, what, how can I be part of seeing the unengaged and unreached reach for the gospel? As a missionary, you know, I get to live amongst unreached people groups. But I also want to see unreached people groups in other parts of the world reach for the gospel, and I cannot go. So one thing I love to challenge us with is where we spend our money is what we show we value. Where we invest our finances is what we show that I care about and believe in. And if we, if we believe in the gospel and the value of the, of, 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 the, of the gospel amongst the unreached, it's where no matter who we are or where we live in the world, we're going to invest in places and people that have no access to the gospel. So I want you all to stand up. Thank you, worship team, for coming up. And I just want us to, to just, just begin with a prayer. I'm going to end with a prayer. You guys can go ahead and start playing. Um, I just want to ask you, what's the next step for you? What's the next step in, 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 in running after Jesus in your weakness? What's the next step of just saying, yes, God, you know what? I don't know if you can use me. But God, I'll, what's my step? Maybe it's someone like following some crazy girl like Katie out into a, a really not safe place to say, man, there's people here that just need Jesus. Maybe it's going into more of these Somali homes and communities and say, I'm just going to be around lost people. I just got to, I don't know what I'm doing, but man, get me close to somebody that hasn't, hasn't had a chance to adequately understand who Jesus is. And God, you can do it. And so as we worship today, I just challenge you. I challenge you, what is the next step for you? Maybe God's calling some of you to take your weakness and go to China. Maybe God's calling you to take your weakness and go around the world. But also many of you, God is calling to take your weakness and say, God, I'm going to trust you sacrificially right here where I'm at with my finances and my time. And I'm going to find ways to get around lost people. So that's my challenge today. Jesus, you are worth it and you are worthy and you are good and you are faithful so God, I pray that from this room, people would experience your love and your goodness and they, would, and they would be drawn out around other people to share the goodness of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.